radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. He couldn't stay away for another day. No, not another day. This is, I think this is the definition of a workaholic when uh, you're at a, a lovely lake, a smoke-covered lake, and, uh, <laughs> and you can't stay away from your podcast. Smoke you know, on Tom's I vacation. It. I do. I miss you. I do. Oh. I miss you. I miss our morning confabs. It's oh. kind of, you know, it's a different thing. Oh. So I wake up in the morning. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll talk to Don and hopefully talk to a few others about money. And, 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 uh, and whale vomit. You're going to, you, do you have any whales there in that lake? Yeah. I'll, I'm going to weigh in on the whale vomit. So yeah, I, not a problem I, 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 no, there's no, I don't think there's any creatures of that size. Well, remember now, you did threaten somebody I, with the Lake Chelan monster. I, I know your daughter, your daughter, when she was much younger, uh, I told yes. her the tale of the Lake Chelan sea monster. And I actually looked it up. She it turns out it was swim with some <laughs> trepid. There was actually a was what there's actually a myth about the uh, an old Indian legend about a Lake Chelan sea monster. I didn't just. Well, I thought I made that lake, up, as you know. I thought I made that up, well, but well, you didn't. Apparently not. She swims with much trepidation now. She goes very paddles very quickly. Well, tell her so. to keep her eye out for. I bet it's worth a lot more if you get uh, sea monster vomit. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. The the vomit thing. <laughs> Can't let it go. Just, well, yeah. it's just mm. too strange. Mm. I read this story and I went, really? Uh, vomit? Very hard story to swallow. Let's just put it that Making way. Making so. money from whale vomit? Yes, indeed, yeah. you can. Um, but first, we let's talk about a more logical way of making money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hurting children. Hurting children. Um, no. Uh, Tom's on vacation. That's why you hear the children in the background. Yeah. So you may hear a few younger voices in the background that are, by the way, they're all hoping to take my place. I said, do you want to do the show with Don? They're like, yes. Yes. We'll do the show with Don. So I yeah. told them no. Oh, come on. Not this time, not yet, but soon. Soon right. enough. Now, we, a lot of us, many of us, not us, but a lot of people follow the teachings, the preachings, the uh, beliefs of a guy named Warren Buffett. They believe in him so much that they call him the Oracle of Omaha, like he's super califragilistic, brilliant, and he creates the perfect portfolio. Well, uh, there's an article out that uh, basically has the, the Warren Buffett asset allocation. It's so simple. This is what Warren Buffett says you should be invested in for the long haul. 90% of your money in large cap U.S. stocks and 10% in short-term government bonds. Sounds easy, right? But it's missing something, I think. Well, it's missing a lot of things, actually. I mean, it's kind of an odd uh, combination uh, well, it is and it isn't. Okay, first, let's go to the 90-10 part because yeah. I, we have very few clients. I know very few people that can take the pain of seeing their portfolio decline by 40%. Can you? No. Can you? I mean, I'm asking people because that's a, that's a pretty steep decline, especially if you're, as one person referred to us, as old, those people in their 50s with money saved for retirement. I mean, so it, it's hard to watch it go down that way. Most people can't take that kind of pain. But we know that stocks over the long haul have made more than bonds. So being stock heavy has improved your returns. 
again, for most of the people that we talk to, they want to have a little more than 10% in bonds. That's one thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then to have all of your money in one asset class and basically in 500 stocks and basically dominated by, what is it, six stocks. I mean, that portfolio, U.S. large, today, what, 20% of it is invested in five or six big tech companies, right? Apple, Microsoft, et al. So you're really hoping the future will look like the most recent past because U.S. large companies have done the best for the last, I think, 11 or 12 years. However, we know, again, not our work, work from academics, actually going in and look at the the bristled pages of old stock returns going back to the 1920s, that smaller companies have made more, value companies have made more, and adding in mix of international and emerging markets have added a little bit of return but reduced the volatility because you hold more assets, right? You're just holding more things. Your, your portfolio is exposed to different types of securities, different market conditions, and that has paid off. But Warren, I think a lot of this with Warren is it's simple. Right. It's two funds because you can basically do this with the Vanguard. I forget they gave us the ETF ticker here, Uh, the Um, Vanguard U.S. large ticker. And you can and then the bond fund, the bond bond exchange traded fund. Um, It's very simple. It's easy to operate. And uh, there's something to that, which we agree, by the way. But we would also have you instead just own VT if you want to keep it really simple, because there you own eighty eight hundred stocks right instead of um instead of just being in the u.s it is voo that's the yeah, vanguard VO, S&P which 500 is the 500 ETF. etf with a ridiculously yeah, low expense and then ratio VG, yeah i mean it's cheap 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 vgsh which is the vanguard short-term treasury index fund etf again two very fine funds nothing wrong with that but We'd rather see you more diversified because here's the other thing that I didn't even mention in the one disadvantages. You could face decades of underperformance because all those other asset classes have outperformed U.S. large companies. So we would still rather see you diversify more. And I guess the other question always raises, Don, is why not own more? Why not diversify yeah, out to what the global economy looks like? I think one of the reasons why Buffett suggests this portfolio is it's be, because it's a space in which he personally is comfortable in part because of his age. He is he comes from the John Bogle generation, which was, you know, the only thing you you can you can invest in or the smart thing to invest in is the S&P 500 because everything else is expensive or complicated but that's not the case anymore things have really changed a lot even when i was a broker i'm old uh it was really difficult to invest internationally and it was really expensive now it's real easy and it's darn cheap and why you would want to have the S&P 500 when you could have the entire world in the portfolio just doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense whatsoever, except for the fact that it's very provincial. You raise a great, very good point that in some ways he is a bit defensive about the United States because basically 
Berkshire Hathaway is mainly invested in the United States. And so mm-hmm. he defends that position a bit in this portfolio. OK, fair enough. And again, there will be periods where this portfolio will outperform. But I think over the long haul, you're giving away a lot, not having small, not having international, not having those riskier markets internationally. No value really of much to say. I mean, the S&P 500 has a very small amount in value stocks, which, again, have been outperformers over the long haul. So I think you're giving up a lot to do this. But if it's just something you want really, really simple, it's easy to do. Sure, go ahead and follow Warren yeah. um, right off and over the cliff. No kidding, but uh, but uh, it wouldn't yeah, be a portfolio take that you we over would the recommend. Cliff. We we just don't think. <laughs> no, one of the yet. things it's going to do is it's going to be more volatile because get this. This is a really good comparison. Let's look at the four or five biggest companies in the S and P five hundred. That's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Alphabet. The two alphabets. So there's two classes. In the S&P 500 ETF, they make up 20% of the portfolio. I was right. Look at me. Yeah. In the mm-hmm. Vanguard Total World Stock Index, though, they How only, much? They 10, only make 11? up 10%, half as yeah. much. So, And again, that's the part I think really is something to pay attention to for the following reason. Those stocks have outperformed the market. They have been the world beaters for the last 10, 11, 12 years. So do you really want to buy something after it's gone up a lot, or would you prefer to buy something that hasn't gone up as quickly? I'm going to go with the latter group because history has showed you that's the smarter thing to do. It's a bit counterintuitive, but it's been the better place to be. Again, we would recommend owning all of them. No question, and it's easy, as you said, to do. I think I figured it out, Tom. I think I figured it out. The S&P 500 uh, ETF about one and a half percent of that ETF is in Berkshire Hathaway stock, whereas with VT, Which it's is, only half a percent. Ah, so you don't get as much. So of exposure he wants you to, to more, have more Warren Buffett. Yeah, he wants you to have more Berkshire. <laughs> oh goodness sake! So I mean, and there's, we have wonderful portfolios at our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's others and that we've recommended in the past. Easy. You want to go? Uh. They're just as simple. Yeah, and you're going to get more a globally diversified portfolio that we think over time will not only probably make you a little bit more money, but probably provide less volatility. And if you have questions about investing, we would love to hear from you. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or you can send your questions in to talkingrealmoney.com and we will try to answer those here on the uh, on the podcasts. And today we're going to add a brand new asset class to our Upchuck portfolio. Yeah, our Upchuck right? portfolio. Actually, it has a very fancy name. Uh, oh, it's okay. not whale vomit because that sounds gross. Mm. It's ambergris. Yeah. It's actually that's its fancy name, ambergris. Ambergris is large chunks of solidified whale vomit that's what it is and how do you get a whale to vomit i was wondering I, about that too does well, that like, i think that just like a pack of that size or a it's kind of like fist that goes down the throat i think it's a furball it's kind of like a furball <laughs> like it gets stuck in there. <laughs> if you hear a whale yeah. hacking out in the ocean <laughs> get away no stick around 
Stick Ouch. around because a, say, sir, could I have that? Is that okay? <laughs> a a sixty year old impoverished fisherman named mm. Naris Suwanasang. That's pretty good. In uh, in was walking the beach in southern Thailand when he stumbled upon and probably tripped over about 220 pounds of whale vomit. And someone said, sir, is that whale vomit you're stepping? Don't step on the whale vomit or in the whale vomit. Well, he packed it up and he took it home. And it uh, it apparently is worth about $3.2 million. I don't want this served on my plate if that's where we're Well, headed. no, no, no. D- d- do you know? I-, I told you, I think, didn't I? There, I yes, you, you did. Whale vomit has been prized mm-hmm. for centuries <laughs> because of its ability to fix oh. scents in high-end perfumes. Not C-E-N-T-S, but Sense. S. The set, to set, yeah. It sets mm. the smell. It keeps the smell. Oh. Uh, instead of it, it evaporating I'm away. I'm never going f- to feel the same about Chanel Number no. 5. I can tell Chanel you Chanel Number no. 5 this. is actually made never. with whale vomit. Oh, dear. I, I'll, be, I'll be ready for this. What is that you're wearing? <laughs> I'll be ready for the date. My date. Dreadful. I, I'll be ready for our date in a minute. I just have to touch up my little whale vomit. Have you, who have you been hanging out with? That whale over there again? Come on. Jeez. So so uh, here's the deal. Uh, if you know a beach off of which, and it's got to come from sperm whales. If you know a beach off of which sperm mm. whales hang, you might want to oh. walk the beach looking for big chunks of goo that look like rocks. And you too could be an ambergris millionaire. And move over, Beanie Babies and... Uh Pokemon cards and all the rest of that stuff. This is way, well, way, way better. Yeah, well, it's it's not st- a stupid collectible. At least it has some useful purpose. It's a good point. Good point. Yeah. <sighs> well, you could burn the Pokemon cards if you ran out of money to right. pay the heat. Bill. We got to do a question, or it's not a real ah yes, podcast please. Yes, we but, do because I got to get to the family. The family pictures today. I got to brush my hair. How and long do you point. have for our question? <laughs> we'll find out here in a minute when you hear little voices. So go ahead. Uh, all right. You're. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I love your podcast and I hope you can provide some guidance. Sorry for the epic length of this email, but I am ticked. Oh, no. Let me go get my book. I'll be right back. No, no, no. You got to pay attention. They're ticked. Ah, you don't okay, want to. Okay. You don't want to sell them short. Uh, I am a retired senior military officer. After leaving that world, I pivoted into the cybersecurity field with a bitter divorce in between. So I pretty much started over financially at age 50. But I was a financial mutant. (laughs) I love that. So I was able to still retire at 62 and am now a millionaire next door multimillionaire. I thought about taking classes for CFP, but I did not see the ROI for me since it would just be for my own benefit. I have volunteered for the past two years with a group of CFPs to answer questions about different social security topics on social media. There are over 17,000 members in the group, and I stay away from commenting on subjects where I'm absolutely not sure of the answer and frequently would reply that they should consider sitting down with a fee-only CFP to drop a long-term plan. So I am no dummy. Now the problem. This week, I got a newsletter from a well-known person and author in the FIRE community. 
Financial Independence Retire Early is what that acronym stands for. The newsletter goes out every week to thousands or tens of thousands of people. In the most recent newsletter, there was a link to an article with the teaser, Are You Married or Once Were? Adam Grossman lists 10 things you need to know about Social Security spousal benefits. Well, I clicked on the link, and after reading the article, I went ballistic. This was Uh written by a CFA, but some of the things this person wrote I felt were either partially incorrect or downright wrong based on current Social Security guidelines. For one thing, the author lumped together the spousal benefit and surviving spouse benefit and said that only the current spouse, not the former one married for 10 years or more, would be eligible for the the surviving spouse Social Security benefit. That's a lot of sibilants. I feel that if there's an ex-spouse or even recently widowed spouse married between nine months and one year or their spouse died in an unnatural death who has followed the list as gospel may unnecessarily lose out on the possibility of thousands of dollars of Social Security benefits each year. And yes, I wrote a very lengthy comment and went over the various parts of why I thought they were misleading or wrong. The comments from the web page owner, the well-known fire personality, said that Adam's article is in no way misleading or downright wrong, and your comments utterly failed to back up that characterization. Honestly, I think if I said I was male, I would not have been brushed off like that. Um. Oh, <laughs> can you read the article? Oh, I'm going to read the article now. Well, okay. I'm not sure what the conflict is over. I mean, so this is whether or not they're just saying spousal benefits yeah. go to some or some other. Yeah, what they're saying is they're that, that only one person can get a former or a surviving spouse social security benefit, and that's not true. That is not true. You can have yeah. multiple spouses. Yes, we are if, aware of someone who is going to have four on the hook because he's married to each one of them longer than 10 years. So, yeah, we do know so, that person, so and that has happened. Without so, reading yeah. the article, I would say if that's yeah. what they said, then they were wrong. And really, I mean, to dismiss someone because of their gender, eh, that's pretty silly, too, frankly. Um, she thanked us. Um, I'm going to look at the article later, but no, I can tell just from that that. But people make mistakes. People make mistakes. You shouldn't have been blown off. I am going to read it. We may comment on it later. But it sounds like the uh, article was wrong. So it sounds like you were right. And um, let's see, how old are you? Sixty-two older brother come on you can have my younger brother uh at the end she says and guys if you happen to have an older brother that is single (laughs) oh i see where we're headed here yeah i don't i do i have a younger brother who's single but i don't think he should get married again let's just leave it at that (laughs) just leave it there and not say any more about this at all no i think Um, anything we say not going to go over well in many quarters. So let's just leave it at yeah, that. We, Except we for really, the part that we really should, number, should just be quiet. I will say this. Social mm-hmm. Security is very complicated. Before you file for it, read, talk to others. And this yeah. is another reason maybe to get a professional opinion from people because people think I'm going to do it yourself for all my life. I know what I'm doing. Maybe because the, the laws change. Things aren't the same. You know, so it's always worth it to sit down with a fee only financial planner and yep. make sure you're getting it right yep and and let me um, tell you i just also- ran into somebody the other day that, that filed for social security while working 
not realizing they're paying a ton of it oh. back to the government. I mean, they're giving up a ton. Like, well, you're handing out. Yeah, I fixed my taxes, so they withhold that. Well, that's great, but you're still giving the money back. That is tragic, tragic, yeah. tragic. I mean, filing early, doing all those things. So it's worth having a second look at it. But bless you for taking the time to write that up and, uh, you know, rant to them for not following your your, your writing, which they should have. Yeah, they, I think they should have because I think they were wrong. If what you said is correct, they were wrong. Um, the other thing, there's a great resource out there um, for Social Security. It's a guy named Lawrence Kotlikoff. He, he writes really good stuff about Social Security, and he, he knows it so well. I've never seen him get it wrong. We've gotten it wrong once or twice because yeah, this we, is not course, our area of expertise. No, it's not. I mean, so I mean it's honestly, part of when we sit down with yeah, when we sit down with somebody, we're very careful. We go through all of the possibilities for how to file, and we do know when we do that as an organization. But Don and I, we don't know all the all the twists and turns, and there are uh, many. So that's again, while uh, when you're, I'd say anytime after fifty, know your filing strategy generally makes sense completely. Oh, look, she lives in my old hometown. In Colorado. Which old hometown? Colorado. You've been oh, there. okay. Business yes, Radio Network. Remember those names. Love Colorado. Beautiful place. I love Colorado, too. I miss it. Um, well, that's it. That's it for this podcast. Tom. You want me to sing Rocky Mountain High Let's for you? Not. Let's just better? do Smoke okay. on the Water, shall we? <laughs> More appropriate. Boom, boom, I have not to take it up smoking yet, but I'm moving closer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> smoke on the water. <laughs> That's what you got. That's what you got. Uh, thank uh, you all true. for being a part of our little get-together. If you have questions, call them in to 855-935-TALK or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Tell your friends and neighbors, leave a review if you like what you hear at Apple Podcasts. That's the review place. And listen again tomorrow when one of us, maybe both, will be doing something about money here on Talking Real Money. that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?